Hebrews chapter 12, and we spoke a little bit last week, it began, I gave you four thoughts on running your race. And of course, the Hebrews is the main theme that I can see is that whatever you have to give up or go through in the Christian life, Christ is worth it. Jesus is better. He's a better priest. He's better than the angels. He's a better motivation. He's better than the old covenant. Whatever it is that might be an obstacle that you're wondering, scratching your head, is it worth it to live the Christian life? The writer of Hebrews and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God says an emphatic, yes, it's worth it. But we must consider Jesus. We must consider him. And, of course, he tells us about that strategically through the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. He kind of turns a corner and gives the so what. And chapter 11, he gives people that, um, and the admonition to, in chapter 10, the admonition to consider one another, to be faithful to church and so forth, and hold fast the profession of your faith, not quit. Chapter 11, he gives the list of people who did not quit, who were faithful, through the good times and the bad times, when things were solved quickly, when things took decades to solve, they kept on being faithful. Whether it was Sarah waiting for a baby, or it was Abraham looking for a city, or if it was Moses who chose the riches that were in Christ greater than the treasures in Egypt. Whatever it might be, whether you, you were delivered from something or you went through a difficult time, Christ is worth it. Chapter 13, I love chapter 13 because it kind of gives the exam. At the end, if Christ is better, he'll say, let brotherly love continue. You'll know if Christ is better to the life and times of John Wilkerson if I let brotherly love continue in my life. If I am quick to entertain strangers, people that are saved, but I just don't know them and will be hospitable to them. I'll use what God's given me for someone else who will know about you the same way. If I will run and help those who are afflicted, if I will be pure in my relationships, that's where the verse of Scripture is right in context. He says, marriage is honorable in all. The bed is undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. He says, I, you will tell if, we are, if, if Jesus is better by the way we love, by the way we, we, we entertain, by the way we help those who are afflicted and are going through difficult times, the, by, the, by our purity of life. Will we honor the marriage vows? Will we, will we preserve ourselves until marriage? Will we live as whoremongers and adulterers, or will we live pure? By whether or not I have a contented spirit. That's where the verse of Scripture says that let your conversation, the way we live, be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have, knowing this, that God will never leave you nor forsake you. One of the ways I'll know if Jesus is better for me, and you'll know for you, is do I have a content? Is God enough for me? Is, am I content with him? What's my prayer life? He says, brethren, pray for us. Am I willing to pray? Am I willing to offer the sacrifice of praise to God? We'll see that in that passage of Scripture. Will I have stability in my life, remembering that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Do I submit to, to spiritual leaders? Do I obey them that have the rule over me? As they that must give an account, and they watch for my souls, uh, do, I, do I do that? Do I give them honor as my spiritual leader? These are things that God gives a litmus test and saying, listen, if, if Jesus is better, here's the final exam. Read a Hebrews chapter 13 and you'll see each of those things are saying, if he's better, these are the things that you're going to see in your life and mine. And it's a great Bible study. But in chapter 12, the author, who we do not know who the author is for sure, 
lays out a race. He said, now everyone who's already run the race, they've already entered heaven's grandstand, or they're waiting at the finish line, waiting for you to get there, waiting for me to get there. He says, look, if you're compassed about with so, so great a cloud of witness, number one, run with freedom. Free yourself of weights and sin which just so easily beset you. Remember, you're going to run right. You've got to run light. You've got to lay aside some things that are questionable. I see Brother Ron here, and I just heard a, a story about that. Brother Ron, word is right over here, and he got his salvation settled about, about a month ago. And you remember how many remember him getting baptized? That was a special day. Brother Ron started smoking when he was eight years old. I think you're almost 82, is that right? You are 82? My goodness. He's been smoking a long time. And uh, he kind of curved off the cigarettes and went to a pipe. Until he got saved, and he said, you know what, I'm done with that. And so for four weeks, he hasn't smoked. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Let's lay it aside every weight and sin, huh? That's a good testimony. Let's give him a round of applause. That's a wonderful thing. Uh, you don't, you don't, uh, and I, I just rejoiced because I heard that story. Brother, Brother uh, Moffat told me, and I said, does Brother Wirt mind if I share that? He said, nope, that's fine with him. That's good. And uh, I, I know there are other sins besides smoking. And if God wanted you to smoke, he'd probably put a chimney on top of your head, okay? And that'd probably been a good deal. Certainly not good for you, but it is a very stubborn habit that's very difficult to kick. And uh, we want to pray for one another, not to be condemning or other people that struggle with that. It's one of those things that takes a while, sometime, and takes the grace of God to overcome. God is, God, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. But I rejoice with you. But if you're going to run right, you've got to run light. You've got to say, you know what? There are some things that are slowing me down from doing what God wants me to do. I don't know yours. I do know a few of mine. I know some things that are in my life and have been in my life in years gone by that I've said, you know what? That was really important to me, but it was slowing me down from running the Christian race the way I should. So I should lay aside even weights or sin. Number two, remember the fan base. Remember, you're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. People are watching you. You live in a glass house, and your race is not run in private, in secret. People are watching you, and they're watching you run your race. Some people watching you run your race are already in heaven's grandstand, and they're waiting at the finish line, waiting for you to come. They see us from heaven's portals. But I think also you've got to remember there's people watching you now. There are people that are saved that are watching you now. There are people that are, are new Christians that are watching you now. I was talking to my brother recently. He said, Pastor, I don't want that to ever do that again because it hurts some new Christians. Something I did hurt new Christians. Gave them a bad example in which they could follow. And I've been saved for a long time. I'm not going to do that again because that was not good. Well, that's a good, that's a good wise thing to do. Also, you have unsaved people that have eyes on you. They're watching you and continue, and they're seeing things about you that you have no idea. So when you run your race, remember, free yourself of weight and sin. Remember the fan base. Number three, remember the focus. The focus is Jesus. Keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Looking unto Jesus, the author. Consider Jesus and how he endured such contradiction of sinners. It wasn't a walk in the park for Jesus, and it will not be a walk in the park for you. And sometimes you will be attacked and you will have things that just are illogical. 
The contradiction means against all logic. He was getting opposition that didn't really make sense. Why? Why is it so difficult to do this thing? He said, if you don't consider that Jesus went through it, you'll weary and faint in your mind. I'll weary and faint. I want to quit. You'll want to quit. Unless you understand, it's a battlefield, brother. It's not a recreation room. It's a fight, not a game. That's a great Bible verse. I don't know where it's at, but I'm sure it's a good one. It's not easy. It's going, to be a, it's going to be challenging. If Jesus had problems, the servant is not greater than his master. If people rejected Jesus, they're going to reject you. Now, he was innocent. He was perfect. We're sinners. On our best day, we still think things and say things and, uh, and do things that are not right. And sometimes I create my own mess. And sometimes you create your own mess. And sometimes we are victims of someone else's mess. But he said, look, it's going to be difficult. Consider him. Remember Jesus. Keep your focus on Christ. Then he says, number four, verse number four. Would you look at it with me and read it with me? Verse number four of chapter 12. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood. Remember that this race is not for the faint of heart. It is a fight. You have not yet resisted blood, striving against sin. You're still going to have a fight. If you've been saved five minutes or 50 years, the Christian life is a fight. If you've been married five months or 50 years, it's still challenging to be the husband you ought to be. To love your wife the way she ought to be loved. If you're a wife and you've been a wife for a few weeks or a few decades, it's still challenging at every stage of life to be the reverential, submissive wife that God wants you to be. It's a battle. It doesn't matter how old you are. One fellow, he was B.R. Lakin, I think, a younger pastor asking him, Pastor, what age do you get where you no longer attempted to do immoral things or to look at something you shouldn't look at? What age are you are? He was 84 at the time. He said, you ought to ask someone older than me. <laughs> so this is not going away. You know what he's saying? It's a battle. You've not yet resisted against blood, striving against sin. It is not going to be for the faint of heart. So why we run a race? We want to run free. We want to run uh, remembering the fan base. We want to remember the focus is Jesus is the finish line. He's the author. He's the finisher. Let's stay close to him. And then remember, it's a fight. But now he goes into remember your heavenly father while you're running. Let's look at verse 5. Can we look at that, please? The Bible says, and ye have forgotten the exhortation was speaking unto you as children. My son, he's quoting the book of Proverbs here, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Verse 6, read it with me. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Of course, this is a quotation from the book of Proverbs in chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. He quoted this, and by the way, the book of Hebrews is full of Old Testament references because it was written to the Hebrews, and they knew their Bible. And if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with what? Sons or his own children. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? And if ye be without chastisement, whereof are all partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, 
We had fathers, this is Father's Day, but we had fathers after our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall not we, or shall we not, much rather be in subjection to the Father of lights and live? Live in subjection to our Heavenly Father. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. My dad and every dad sometimes disciplines their child because they inconvenienced them or because they didn't make them happy or didn't do what they wanted to do or, or caused them more time or frustrated them. And sometimes as parents, we have got onto our kids. Fathers have disciplined in anger or, or in hypocrisy. That happens but not our heavenly father. He doesn't do that. Look what the Bible says there. He says, for they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasures, but he, our heavenly father, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chasing, would you read verse 11 with me, everyone? Now, no chasing for the present seemeth to be joyous, but nevertheless, Peaceable fruit of righteousness to them which are exercised thereby. Now, these verses right here remind us, while we're running a race, remember the father's role. The father here seems to be the coach. He's the one who is looking, and he's the one who is working and chastening and disciplining you and I as we run our race. And the, the writer here on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God tells them, listen, don't get angry with the Father. You know, one of the biggest frustrations that God has is that we get angry with the one who's given us everything. We accept his salvation. Then something doesn't get happen that we want to happen. We don't get what we want, or we got something we have that's taken away. Oftentimes I've seen people lose something and say, well, I've lost my faith. I've lost my faith in God. I just don't, I don't trust God. And I'm, I just think, oh, poor God. He says, whenever you're going through your race and your life and you run your race, remember the heavenly Father's role. And it is to chasten us, to discipline us for future difficulties and also to rebuke us when we're wrong. He said, don't despise the chasing of the Lord. Because whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Everybody who is chastened by the Lord is chastened by him because God loves you. How many of us have ever heard a parent say, I love my kid too much to spank them. I love them too much to discipline them. I, I just can't do it. I love them so much. Okay, the truth of the matter is, that's a lie. <laughs> You know, if your kid's out running the street and you don't do something about it, he's going to be a greasy spot before too long. He's going, to, he's going to do it. You see a kid disrespect their parents. They just keep disrespecting everybody else. Until they just create a problem. And the Bible says if we get chastened by God, don't get angry with God. Don't get angry with him because his chastening is proof of his love and it has great benefit to us. Now, I don't like it. Remember, years, years ago, uh, a little girl was, uh, was doing wrong, and at nighttime, uh, she, she wasn't doing what she was supposed to do, and her dad finally had to discipline her. And after it was over, and she was pretty uh, antagonistic and rebellious, but after it was over, he walked by her room, and she was singing this song to herself that she made up. I'm glad my daddy loves me. I'm glad he doesn't let me do what's wrong. He's like, what? 
I just had like a little fireworks thing going in there, and now she's saying by herself, I'm glad, I'm loved, because I'm getting disciplined. You know, you see, that's crazy. I've had the opportunity to help with the, the train of nine children. Boy, I wasn't a good dad, and I've got big problems. Even the kids got more problems than me because they have me. <laughs> but well, I've made a lot of mistakes as a parent. But I've always been amazed that when a child does wrong, and we lovingly discipline them God's way, when we get done, they want reconciliation. They come, they don't go away from me, they come to me. I love you, Dad, sorry about that. Blah, 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 I'm thinking, that is weird. But there's a security that comes when, when there is discipline, whenever there is chastisement. I've talked to enough people to know that they, they've done something wrong. God, caught, God dealt with them and they got caught. And they're oftentimes saying, you know, I hate getting caught. It's embarrassing. It's shameful. But boy, do I know. There's no one else would know this but God. <laughs> and it gives me comfort to know that God dealt with me. He loved me enough not to let me just go on and self-destruct by myself. And that's true. Let me give you a couple thoughts that come to my mind as we think about what are the good things that happen whenever you're disciplined by God. He's your coach. He's the one who's pushing you. And every good team has a good coach. They have a coach that's pushing them and pushes them beyond what they think they can do. And when they think, oh, let's just scrimmage. No, he wants to go over the place. When you think you're done, let's not have to do all the running at the end. He keeps pushing you, making you run. Why? Because he wants you to win. He's got your end in mind. What are some good things that happen because God deals with me and you in our Christian walk? I want you to give you a couple things. Number one, it's proof that he loves us. When God deals with you and he deals with me, it's proof that he cares about me. He loves me. I love that. Number two, it's proof that I belong to him. It's proof of his, of, that I'm his child. If uh, you walked out in the foyer tonight, and, and, there were, and, and I did too, and I walked over there, and I saw five little boys with a, uh, with a uh, crayon box, and they're drawing all over the white wall in the hallway there, I would probably stop all of them. I'd say, hey, what are you doing? Hey, don't you do that. What, what are you thinking? And I'd even say, you, you give me those crayons and put them in the box, that's going to stop right now. But if one of those little stinkers is a Wilkerson, we're going to go to another level, okay? And I would not discipline all four of them, all five, five of them, but I would discipline one because they belong to me. I don't want them drawn on the seats, uh, streets of Hammond's walls. I don't want them calling me, hey, Dad, I'm at the jail here. You know, I'm just playing around. We've got a can of paint. We're just doing No, I don't want that. I don't want them being destructive as a, as a, as a citizen. So I would deal with him, but I wouldn't deal with the other four kids. Why wouldn't I deal with them? They're not mine. You ever wonder why it seems like the wicked can do whatever they want and nothing happens? People who claim, oh, I'm a Christian, but they just live like an idiot. And God, I have no conviction on that. I can do whatever I want to do. Boy, it makes me question. Maybe you don't have the same daddy. <laughs> Because I do that, and I get my rear end busted. God deals with me, and I'm glad he deals with me. And I'm not here to, to judge anyone else. I just come to wonder sometimes. God says, when I discipline you, it's proof that I love you. It's proof that you're mine. You're in my family. 
And I don't let my kids do that because self, they'll self-destruct. What happens with sin? Sin doesn't stay little. It keeps going. keeps getting worse and worse. And it, and it destroys me, hurts his name. I think another reason for the, 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 the thing is profitable. The Bible says, now no chasing for the present time seems to be, Joyce, when you get your bottom busted, you're not happy. It's not a fun time. But afterwards, it yields a peaceable fruit of what? To them who exercise their body. When I get disciplined by God, number one, it proves that he loves me. Number two, it proves that I'm his child. Number three, it's good for me. I need to be dealt with. It's profitable. I need to be rebuked. If I'm, if I'm wrong, I need to be straightened out. And the Lord has a wonderful way of doing that with me and with you. He points out something that's wrong. By the way, whenever he points out something's wrong, if he speaks to you, speak back to him. In words of confession and repentance. I always want to encourage people. It's very rude for someone to speak to you and you not speak back. If they say, hi, how are you? Huh. That's rude. And if God speaks to you, whether you're reading your Bible in your home or whether you're listening to a preaching tape on your vehicle, your car, your truck, whether you're listening to your Sunday school teacher or one of the services here and God puts his finger in, on your problem and he speaks to you, well, speak back to him. Say, God, you're right. I'm wrong. I need to get that straightened out. Say, Pastor, I'm going to wait that out. You can wait it out, but there's a guy named Esau who tried that. And the Bible says when it came time for him to get right, he could not find a place to repent. It was just too, he just, he just, he had hardened his heart so much, and he got in so much fornication and so much uh, stubbornness that when it came time, he even cried, wanting to be right in a way, emotionally stirred, but he couldn't find a place for change. Well, I think what we need to learn from that is that when God speaks to you the first time, deal with it. You know, God doesn't, you don't make God yell at you. Don't make him have to get his belt off. Don't make him have to deal with you and harshly. Whenever he's dealing with you, if he's whispering you, respond to him. You keep the tenderness in your heart, you're going to run your race better, and you don't want to get mad at the coach. Why? Because his discipline proves that he loves you. The discipline proves that you're his child. The, 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 the discipline is profitable. You heard the coach say, no pain, no. And I joke around and say, no pain, no pain. <laughs> but that's not the way it works. He has to inflict the work. Those of you who coach uh, baseball or you coach wrestling or whatever, you understand that you have to push your kids to the limit in order to get the best out of them long term. For them to hold up a trophy at the end of the season, there has to be some pain. There has to be some rebuke. There has to be some discipline. And it's profitable for them, even though it's painful at the present. Same way with raising children. And the same way with God raising us. It's, it's identical. Look at the next thought I, I, I want to share with you. And it also produces holiness. Would you look at verse number 10? For they verily... For a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. This is our earthly fathers. But God is for our profit. There's that profitability. That we might be partakers of his what? Whenever we get God's discipline and his, his work in our life, his end goal is for us to be like him. Holiness. 
Some Christians wouldn't know holiness if it slapped them upside the face. It's a foreign concept to them. I don't want to be foreign to me nor to you. But I don't want to be foreign. He said, he, said, I, he said, whenever God disciplines us, it not only shows that we're his child, it not only shows that he loves us, it's profitable for us, but it produces a holy product that is need. That means we know we belong to him, and purity is a byproduct. A child who is disciplined, he, he lives better. And there's a lot less problems that happen in his future because he, he's, he's been dealt with as a young person. The Bible says if you love your son, you'll chasten him B-times early on in his life. You're not going to wait till he's 14 to start disciplining. I'm going to wait till he's 10. I want to deal with him when he's young and help him to learn what's right, what's not right, how to get right, what, what honor is, what respect is, what obedience is. If we can get those down early on, you're going to save your child a lot of misery. When you can tell them, when you can know that you've, they, they learn, okay, this is my dad, this is my mom, we're going to listen to them. I was talking to a, a person over there watching a child the other day, and it just, it just seems like the mother kept logicking with this little two-year-old. And if you do this now, when we get home, I'll give you a snack. Yeah! You know, and it's just like, okay, we'll get two snacks. Yeah! You know, nothing was going well. It was, you're, 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 what that child needs to know is that mama is the boss. <laughs> and obedience to mama with or without a snack is what she needed to do. But if not, that child is going to continue to be manipulated the rest of their life. And they'll grow old, but they won't grow up. And it's just going to be other people that they're going to have to say, well, what are you going to do if I do this? What do I get if I obey you? Are you giving me a raise at work? Rather than simple response and obedience. It gives us a profitability. It helps us. This is things, and it produces wholeness. Last thing I'll share with you on this thing. It produces heavenly wisdom. We get a heavenly, a heavenly perspective that, that all of us need. 